1: A charismatic leader with a Zen philosophy and a fitness model physique. A crowd of eager young disciples looking for a direct path to God. On the outside, this group had all the features of a Shangri-La society, but on the inside, it became mandatory to worship the leader and submit to his every whim. Was this the blueprint for a perfect society, or really just an abusive cult? This week's episode is The Buddha Field Cult
2: We've had so many people tag us and send us and DM us <laughs> the SNL sketch that happened on Saturday, which is spot on, by the way. It's so
1: good. It's oh, very it's so appropriate
2: good. for this week's topic.
1: Yes, yeah, we're talking about the Murder Show mm-hmm. uh, music video. Um, I'm I love Saturday Night Live. Oh, I yeah. feel like it's for the last like five to ten years, it's been really trendy to be like SNL sucks. But it's like anything where there's a lot of it, there's hits and misses, and I feel like there are more hits than misses. I constantly call Paris's overnight oats overnight salad because of the song "Overnight Salad," <laughs> which is one of my favorite. Is Daniel Craig and AD Bryant, and it's another music video like this one. Mm-hmm. So those are I think great. They, Same they with the
2: uh, Wish and Boot. Yeah, <laughs> Wish and Boot. So I'm gonna good. watch
1: immediately when we stop recording tonight. I'm gonna watch Wish and Boot. Uh, one of my favorites of all time so and good. The, yeah it's so good so this week they they, they knocked it that. out of the park with not only murder shows but then you have the hot husband nick jonas coming home and he's like cult shows cult <laughs> shows and i was like how perfect mm-hmm. We're do- and then also i know they throw shade on the baking shows but come on
2: dude i told to. you it's like somebody just went into my netflix account <laughs> that's all it is murder cult and baking
1: it's on spot on that's all you need I'm, I like the chopped I like cooking shows
2: versus baking shows, but same same thing. I like chopped as well i I specifically really the only baking shows I really like are british British, yes, great British bake off and then I wouldn't call nailed it a baking show, but <laughs> i fun. I love nailed it um and I do like chopped as well. I do like I a lot of cooking shows I like competition shows. We just watched the chopped
1: Halloween when my mom was staying over during the apocalypse, And it was, I don't know if you've seen the episode, but the lady lops off the end of her finger.
2: <gasps> and oh.
1: Is ble- she's bleeding everywhere. Is it a bit because it's Halloween? Was it a no, fake it's finger? No, so, so real. Oh, shit. And the judges are like, she's literally bleeding over the cooking station. <laughs> like, she was trying to chop these Brussels sprouts. There's fucking blood everywhere. So she's, like, putting a Band-Aid on. She tries to put on a glove. The other... The other chefs are looking over their shoulder thinking, oh, my God. And, of course, they do talking heads. And they're like, we looked over and saw Susan was just bleeding everywhere. And so then they go to, of course, the chefs are trying all the dishes. And they get to hers and they say, we're obviously not going to eat this because there's blood in it. Oh. We literally see blood on this Brussels sprout. And she's like, I'm so sorry, chefs. And then. Why would you
2: serve that? Dude. Oh Un- man, somebody she- from
1: production needed to bandage her freaking hand up. I don't have to tell you, Susan got chopped twice that day. Yes, she did. <laughs> uh, it was fucking terrible. But they also do a great SNL, I think it's kind of like nailed it, where they do the cake, the Eddie Murphy one specifically, where they make the different cakes, and the one cake's like, kill me, and it like talks and foams at the mouth, it's very funny. I don't remember that one. It's, it's a very, they've done it with a couple celebrities, but per I mean, of course, the Eddie Murphy episode of SNL is just phenomenal, but uh, that sketch in particular is very funny because he plays it so, like, upbeat. He's like, it's great. And it's like, I'm the devil. (laughs) He's like, no, no, no. Don't listen to the cake. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, you guys, you guys have our number. SNL has Mm -hmm. our number with that murder show, cult show, baby show. We are
2: in it. You know, the first time I met your mom, she, I think (laughs) she was like, Christy. Great show, because it was at a live show. Second mm. thing out of her mouth. You have got to watch the documentary Holy Hell on HBO. Holy <laughs> shit. Oh, my God. It has everything. I was like, I've seen it. It's wild. <laughs> that was probably
1: 2018. That was like our, or it was 2019. 20,
2: 2018. It was the first DCH show.
1: Yeah, that was 2018. October yeah. 26th. I have the poster in the yep, studio. Yep, October yep. 26th, 2018. Uh yeah, she's when I told her this is coming up, she was like, "I told y'all
2: to cover that." I'm like, "Yes, it only <laughs> she, took us two years, yeah, two years.
1: <laughs> almost three
2: <laughs> It is a a while. The documentary should have been called "Holy Shit" instead yeah. of "Holy Hell" because it is, man, and also Michael Michele Michelle Michelle. Mm-hmm. He looks like a character Fred Armisen would play. <laughs> He he looks like Tommy Wiseau. So,
1: yeah, same. Yeah. Because Tommy Wiseau looks like a Fred Armisen character. Like, I'm still not convinced that Tommy Wiseau is not a deep, like, Borat Fred Armisen. Yeah. You know, like, where he's,
2: like, deep undercover. Yeah. His his head does not match his body. Correct. It is a cut and paste job. (laughs) If you just took his head off, you're like, damn, he's ripped. But then you put that head on. You're like, oh, what happened? No, thank you. No, no, thank, you. no thank you. I will have zero of that.
1: Mm-mm. Yeah. He's a, a this isn't a Nancy McKinney. He's an odd duck. <laughs> he's a, he's an yeah. odd duck. And you watch this. I mean, it's phenomenal. Hats off to the filmmaker, Will Allen. Mm-hmm. He's, he does an excellent job. And especially working through the pain of going through this. Um, But, you know, as a filmmaker, he's still somewhat, I feel like, is, you know, obviously every filmmaker, every documentarian tells their version of a story. You Mm -hmm. know, it's not just straight up unedited footage. When you edit, you by nature, you're kind of choosing. But I still think he was reasonably fair. And also, like, it's very well done of, like, leading you down this path Mm -hmm. and seeing things firsthand. And uh, I think they probably called it Holy Hell because he submitted to Sundance. And (laughs) I don't think they want a movie called Holy Shit, but it is. (laughs) Holy do you shit. know Jared
2: uh, Leto is the is the producer of it? He's also a cult leader. Oh, isn't he though? Yes. Somebody recently a... suggested his cult.
1: Correct. And then you when you look it up it's like is it a bit? Is it not a bit? Like, eh, we don't know what's going on. Possibly, possible cult. Also, Andrew Keegan, 90s star, also a cult leader.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Too many. Don't do
1: that. Let's Wait.
2: Learn. Which one
1: was Andrew Keegan? He was, oh, he plays like the douchebag guy. I want to say in. It's not. 10 Things I Hate About You. Is it 10 10 Things I Hate About You? I think one of
2: those. He's like the asshole guy. He's not, he was not the Red Power Ranger, was he? No, no. Okay. Because I recently watched this ridiculous show called Bling Empire. I think I told you about it. It's (laughs) just all about like rich socialite Asians in LA. And. One of the women's boyfriend was Andrew, who was the Red Power Ranger. Okay. And he is the biggest douchebag. <laughs> like, I, it was wild to see him just unfiltered and unfettered. Uh, not a good boyfriend either. Well, I was a green slash white ranger
1: girl. So, Tommy, played by Jason David Frank, who one time a friend... Had a, had him on video saying, hey, Heather, what's up? And oh. I lost the video. It existed oh, no. at some point And I have now lost it. So the next time there's a Comic-Con, I'm totally going. And I'm going to meet the Green Ranger. Yeah, they're
2: always there. That was kind of, I was, that was after my time. Yes. So yes. my younger brother was Kyle, my youngest brother, who's your age. Was into Power Rangers, but I Fuck, was never yeah. really into it, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I like, taped it
1: on VHS tapes. If we could not stay home, I, like, we would go out to eat or something, I would have to set the recorder and record it, and my parents could not record over it, because there was no, like, DVR back then. Uh-huh. I was obsessed. I was... It was a lot. My family was, like, too... Maybe too indulgent of in my very strange ticks of, like, having to record every episode of the Power Rangers. Would you
2: go back and watch them? Yeah. Or all just the time. watch them once. Oh, you'd no, re watch them? The time.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why I had to collect them. You couldn't record over them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had a
2: whole collection. They're worth a million dollars. Video. Yeah. And now they're, and now, <laughs> didn't they recently redo the Power Rangers? There's been like 15 different iterations. I think so it's a little like, more, um, uh, less problematic now.
1: Well, it was originally the, reg- like, the Power Rangers where it was like, they just dubbed in the american actors and then all the fight scenes were still like the japanese mm-hmm. actors which you could just physically tell it was not the same yeah. people <laughs> and then they redid it and it was like ninja rangers and they did it again it was space rangers and they did it again it was dinosaur rangers so they oh, had wow. these like reiterations but i only like the original the ones. original you're yeah. the og og oh, but yeah i uh I uh, watched this, you know, for research, and uh, it was the first time I had seen it after my mom and you both told me to watch it, and whoo, whoo. It's a doozy. Check it out. Check it out. It's a lot, though. There is sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. We'll have to say that up front so mm-hmm. folks know. Uh, of course, we don't get super graphic with it, but the film definitely is very graphic. With It doesn't show it, obviously, but the descriptions of yeah. it are it's real, very
2: harrowing uh, survivors' stories. Yes, Yeah. Like most uh, cults, there's sexual abuse in it. Oh, yeah. There were not children, though, because he hated them, which we'll also get into that, too. And dogs. What a fucker. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get into it. In 1985, 22-year-old Will Allen had just graduated from Dallas' Southern Methodist University Film School. Upon graduation, Will returned home to Southern California and came out to his family. Sadly, his mother rejected him when he told her that he was gay, kicking Will out of the family home. Feeling lost and adrift, Will gladly accepted his sister's invitation to join her at a secret spiritual community, of which she was a member. It was based out of West Hollywood and called the Buddha Field. He doesn't super
1: go into his background, but at some point his parents were in Fort Worth. I was wondering why he would, not that it's not a great school, SMU, Pony S- also Up. Also,
2: you're a uh, alum
1: my alma mater, but mm-hmm. yeah, the, uh eventually his parents moved back to Fort Worth. So I take it that they were from Fort Worth, but, uh but yeah, he was kind of adrift. And uh when your sister tells you she's
2: got all the answers. Yep. And like, like most people, and from, uh, I think it was the Huffington Post article I read of all of the several survivors that were interviewed, you know, they're like, what would make someone join this? And they were all like, we were looking for answers. We felt lost. We were uh, young. We wanted something exciting. We wanted to feel high without really getting high and find a community. And that is what cults prey on people looking for guidance. Mm-hmm. While members of the Buddha field called the leader Michel, those that knew Michel from his previous life knew him as Jaime Simone Gomez. Born in the early 1950s, Jaime was the son of a wealthy rancher in Venezuela where he grew up, according to sources from CNN. As a young man in the late 1960s, Jaime thirsted for fame as an actor and moved to America, setting his sights on Hollywood. Yeah, the article and also the film both kind of, he he idolized and idealized L.A.
1: as like the answer, the best place. I will go there and be famous. I
2: think I've said before that... Like from the twenties to the sixties, I feel like you could just move to L. A. and get in a movie. <laughs> yeah,
1: pretty much. I
2: think like so. it was like, so hey, easy hey. to just yeah. it was like, <laughs> I'm especially like in the forties, like or yeah, I guess Marilyn Monroe would have been like the fifties, right? Mm, in the sixties, yeah, yeah. Around that time, I feel like if you were just like attractive and you just moved, you showed up on a movie set, you could just like become a a a movie star you just stumble on and they're like come over here (laughs) yeah you want to be a star so he's like sure i'll just move to america and obviously no one else in los angeles is moving there to become a star (laughs) i'm the only one upon moving to california jaime changed his name to michelle rostand the aspiring actor's big break came when he was cast in the 1968 roman polanski film rosemary's baby it was an uncredited non speaking role. After that failed to launch his big Hollywood career, Michelle turned to adult films, performing in several gay pornographic movies, which he tried to keep hidden from those who knew him.
1: Yeah, they show the clip of Rosemary's baby and it's at a party and he looks over his shoulder. Oh, looks in the camera and it cl- cuts away. Yeah, that's it.
2: Man, have you seen that? Probably not. Rosemary's baby? Right? No,
1: I've seen like clips on paris watches a lot of movie breakdowns so like i've seen youtube breakdowns of it but i don't want to watch it
2: it's uh i haven't seen in a long time but it's creepy although roman Roman can, can eat a dick yeah for sure Michel also performed in the oakland ballet honing his dancing skills in addition he studied yoga and became a certified hypnotherapist Before long, Michelle was holding weekly meditation, yoga, and wellness sessions, which attracted the fit, young West Coast crowd. One of those young people was Amy Allen, Will's sister. Over the course of the next 22 years, Will became a devout member of the group and used his filmmaking skills to document life inside the Buddha Field, a documentary of sorts that he would later title Holy Hell. In the footage, one member described the group, Is being full of some of the smartest and most beautiful people I'd ever found in my entire life. In fact, member after member explained the feelings of euphoria and joy they found in the Buddha field, running through the forest, diving into lakes and rivers and living a wild and free life. I think we've
1: talked about it before, but, you know, when people recut movie trailers that it turns like the cable guy into like a buddy, you know, whatever, Mary Poppins into a horror film. The trailer for this, if cut properly, I would join this group. I yeah, mean, sure. it looks hot people. Yeah. All smoking hot, having fun. They're laughing, they're swimming. It's the most beautiful background. They cut out all the horrors. Yes. But if you're just looking at the brochure, I could be lured
2: into this. It looks like a sandals resort. Yes. Or it's like a wellness retreat. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. But the euphoria was not without strings attached. Michelle routinely asked members what they would like to surrender and what worldly attachments they wanted to give up. His loyal followers wept and were willing to give up everything, including family, friends, and money. That's where you start to see the cult stuff coming in. Yeah. But they were They were so taken by him. Like, so many of them say he was so charming. He would just look at you and you felt like you two were the only people in the world and he made you feel accepted and he was funny and charming and and silly he's again we're not the right people for this yeah because i would have started talking to him and he would have immediately creeped me out what they found (laughs) like charming and so um attractive i would find just insanely creepy it's
1: too much eye contact
2: he wore a lot of like Polo shirts, right? This is
1: the mid to late 80s. Mm-hmm. He was very trendy. They said he always wore the nicest clothes, the trendiest clothes. And so if you're a young person who's lost in the world, your brain subconsciously goes, oh, he looks like the guy on the cover of a magazine, mm-hmm. so he must be safe. I mean, whether right, wrong, or indifferent, you're you're lulled into a false sense of security by a familiarity that he fosters by simply dressing how he thinks famous people should dress. Like, mm-hmm. he's he's almost... He's an actor acting in a role of like, this oh, sure. is what a famous person should act like. And I will have fans. And it's like, he manifested
2: it in that case. He is magical. And they, the members that have been interviewed said the ex members now that when they would go to these groups and meetings that, you know, one of their friends would always invite them to. So you already have like an N, which makes you feel comfortable. And Will said when he showed up, like they all knew he was coming. His name was on a chair waiting for him. They were all excited because they knew his sister. He automatically had already been accepted into this group because of Mm -hmm. his sister. So you're immediately like, oh, I didn't even have to work for this. You're just Mm -hmm. immediately accepted and and you leave feeling so good about yourself. And he said, I felt like I was high, but I hadn't done drugs. I mean, that's a alluring feeling that you want to get back. And that's That's why you keep going back week after week. You have the hot kids
1: table telling you come mm-hmm. sit with us, and you're like, oh, I fit in. It makes me think of Shits Creek when she's they're like, oh my god, this is a cult, and Twyla's like, oh yeah, this is a cult. <laughs> she knew. <laughs> and she's like, I thought you guys knew that when we came in here. Yeah, but it's you know it's like that where, and also the videos of his sessions that he had and everything was very he's he's funny, he's like interesting. It's not like church. It's not you right. Know, I mean, I'm sure there's funny, interesting churches, but you know, it's more like it's like he's doing like a stand up set. Mm-hmm.
2: Members had various backgrounds that led them to the group. One man Will interviewed grew up on what he described as the violent streets of Chicago. Another grew up in a hippy-dippy type family, and a third came from a traditional Catholic background. Some were driven professionals, others were lost, searching for meaning. Some members had happy childhoods, while others had broken families. But the one thing they all had in common was a search for meaning in life and for a spiritual connection to other people. They were also all uncommonly attractive, fit, and dedicated to their leader. Michel, known as the teacher to his followers, held weekly sotsang meetings in West Hollywood, California, where followers would come and seek of spiritual guidance. He spoke in rhetorical questions, in a soft voice with a slight accent, and was described as funny, witty, and playful by members of the group. He was also bronzed and physically fit, Attributes he also demanded of his followers and frequently showed off his physique while swimming with them while wearing a skimpy Speedo. Loved the Speedo. So many, so many Speedos in this documentary. Everybody's wearing
1: Speedo. I was surprised nobody's wearing the Borat, like, yeah, Yuna (laughs) bathing
2: suit. And because he's from Venezuela, I think that's a lot more common over there. So, because so many people, yeah, so many people in articles I've read. To the ex-members are like, wasn't it a red flag that he was just always wearing a Speedo? And they're like, no, he was European, so... Well, he's South, South American. South American, yeah. Michel said he had been led to a... Great spiritual awakening by a master. And now wanted to pass that awakening onto what he called his... Disciples. Despite this language, Michelle described buddha as an anti-cult and non-group. If somebody refers to you as their disciple, that's a red flag.
1: I am Jesus. You are my followers. But this is not a cult. No. Let's all be cool, you guys. That's all just cult 101 language right there. Well, you know what? If you are in a group and they say, we swear this is not a cult. It is.
2: Yeah. Every it's time. like somebody starting a sentence with, I don't mean to offend you. And Whatever happens to next racist. is going to be very offensive, a misogynistic. Something's yeah. coming. Or, no offense. I'm not racist. Yes, you are. Because yeah. if you weren't, you wouldn't have just started your sentence with that preface. Yeah. Whatever's fixing to come after that. This mm-hmm. is not a cult, but we need you to give up your family and identity <laughs> and money yes. and change your name. All right. Members' entire lives became wrapped up in the Buddha field. The group grew to around 100 who lived together and spent all their free time with one another. It was a commune like community where clean eating and clean living, including physical fitness, were emphasized. You live with three people. Yeah. That's already a lot of people. That's a lot of people in this house. <laughs> so, I, if honestly, the main reason I couldn't be in a cult is because of. All of the people I would have to live with, get the fuck out of my face. Yeah, I can't deal like with real that world. much human interaction on a daily basis. No, no,
1: it's like a, it's like Big Brother or the real world or mm. Love Island or something like that. The videos of them mm-hmm. all living together and they're all cooking and laughing together, and it exhausted me when I was in college and I had mm-hmm. two roommates. Yeah. and that was too many. That was too too many people me living with. It was yeah. like it is not worth it for me. To live no, with. I, I could I couldn't three
2: do it. Times as much. I could be in a solo cult. Yeah. That's Which like I Paris, kind of already am.
1: Well, and Paris was in a fraternity, and I'm like, you lived in a house with, like, multiple people? Like, how? How? Mm,
2: how? He I just can't. loved it. They love it. I'm like, ugh, no. I could not. could not. I couldn't, no. After my last roommates in college, I said, I will never live with another roommate unless I am in a romantic relationship with it. <laughs> Unless Same. That is the next time I'm living with someone. It's because I'm in a relationship. I just... Mm-hmm. I don't like roommates. No, I
1: rented my spare bedroom out to a kid one summer, uh, like a college kid. That kid only ate Ritz crackers. <laughs> and the house, for mu- every day that he lived there, the- every surface was covered in Ritz cracker crumbs. Every Why? Could you tr- try a saltine or yeah. something? It was only Ritz crackers. He and was a lot also of Also, clean up Speaking after of- yourself. Fuck you, kid. Well, Lucy got the most of it, but any higher up surfaces. Did my y'all dog- ever talk? Um, he wouldn't sit down in the living room, so it was bizarre, because that was the summer where I was very into Criminal Minds, and so uh, it was kind of rude, because he came in and was like, oh, my mom really likes this show. I was like, <laughs> fuck you, get out of here. <laughs> but he wouldn't, it would be like a monster on Criminal Minds, like chopping up a body, and he's just standing there stuffing crackers in his mouth, just, and I'd be like, did you want to have a seat? Which then makes me seem like a weirdo. <laughs> yeah. But he was the weirdo, and he would go, No. Gosh, 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 gosh. I was like, oh, oh it's worth, man it's not worth the 500 bucks or whatever i was charging i was like it's not no, no it's not worth it no
2: i'm good in addition to the weekly satsang meetings michelle led disciples on retreats at the shakti retreat in arcada california michelle performed rituals on members where he would place his hand over their face and they would pass out in the hindu philosophy Shakti refers to the divine feminine energy that is responsible for creation, maintenance, and destruction of the universe, according to the Asia Society. Michelle claimed that followers would experience the transfer of energy from the master to the disciple. Members described it as a drug-like euphoric experience.
1: Looks like a Benny Hinn uh, televangelist, you know, when he's like, in the
2: spirit of the Lord, and they fall down. Also, I read that what he would really do is press on their eyes in a way that would cause um, when they open them to see like beams of light. Mm. And so it was perceived by them because if you're wanting, if you're told by someone that you are following and you're brainwashed, you're going to see God, you're going to experience something you've never experienced. And then you open your eyes and you see like, Beams of light because your eyeballs are just being pressed on. You think that that's what's happening, and you lose your mind and think you're having an acid trip. This man is mashing on folks' eyeballs
1: in the Mm -hmm. forest. (laughs) What Mm -hmm. is happening? But I guess that's genius because, like you said, it's a physiological manifestation of a thing he told him to believe, Mm -hmm. and he's that's genius to think. Maybe if I smash their eyes the right way, then they're gonna see something. Mm -hmm. And and if you tell him in advance. After I say this ritual to you, you're going to see X, Y, and Z, and then you know what literal
2: buttons on a person to push. Then and if a- it didn't work, all he did was say, "Well, oh, you're just not ready. You're not devoted enough." Totally gaslighting them. Mm-hmm. So either way, you've you've got a a fail safe operation here. This is a good scam he's running. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The ultimate step members needed in order to be taken to enlightenment was called the Knowing Retreat held in Mammoth Lakes, California, in 1989. Michel told members that if they approached him at the retreat and asked, he would provide them the direct experience of God based on the Hindu book, The Bhagavad Gita. Members expected to see, hear, feel, and taste God at the knowing retreat. However, Michel was not going to reveal God to all of the participants. It would only be a select few disciples who would be chosen to ascend to the higher realm of enlightenment. Part of being ready to receive the experience was the members' willingness to give up everything in their lives. The genius way to get people to
1: be devoted to you yeah. is to sow dissension amongst them.
2: Yes. Yeah. You you are their savior. Mm-hmm. You create enemies amongst the ranks. Mm-hmm. And within their themselves, so they come to you looking for salvation and everything.
1: Mm-hmm. Also,
2: it's just gaslighting at its ultimate because mm-hmm. they're thinking, oh, man, this is all my fault. I'm the one that hasn't given up enough of myself and enough of my previous life to be able to experience this. So I need to do more. Mm-hmm. He's sowing the seeds of... Uh, they're
1: feeling insecure basically of like am i doing enough well apparently not enough for him to poke
2: you in the eyeballs in the woods members returning to base camp after receiving the knowing walked up screaming crying and falling to their knees one woman described it as feeling like she was on a three-day acid trip and he and will allen has footage
1: of this people yeah. not of the eyeballs not of the staring contest in the forest but the returning
2: people people walking out of they the look like
1: they are drunk it looks like mardi gras they were like yeah. Woo, it's happening to me and it's you can imagine if you were on the uh, other
2: end and not receiving the knowing how you would feel mm-hmm. and then what might you shed and mm-hmm. give up because you want to experience that but what's so fascinating about that is the physiological response because obviously they didn't receive any kind of direct line to god or, or whatever but because How do you know
1: christy How do that's you know? i mean
2: maybe i don't I, no, but but i guy think is because this guy's a scam artist that they didn't but they want to believe it so bad mm-hmm. that it's that's just the power of like of wanting to believe something and the power of suggestion from another mm-hmm. is just fascinating
1: Well, it says that he made intense eye contact with them, and he's a licensed or certified hypnotherapist. Oh, that's true. So who's to say that he's not, like, staring at them in the eyes and when he's like, when you get to the end of the hill, you'll be on the biggest high you've ever had in your life. Mm -hmm. And they either don't recall it, or they liked the high so much they forgot it, or they wanted it so they didn't tell anybody. Like, he just hypnotized you. It's fine. That's, yeah, that's a Because he may have just, you know, had them trigger something in their brain. But when you think about that, you really think that... You know, it's like smile therapy almost of like, I mm-hmm. want to believe it's so bad that it will happen. Maybe that is manifestation or something. Yeah. I don't know. But it could just be hypnosis. <laughs> it could
2: have just hypnotized them. Man, a three-day acid trip sounds terrible. It sounds exhausting. <laughs> it sounds it's so exhausting. Yeah. You need to take a vacation from that vacation.
1: <laughs> That's when they invented that. that phrase was after an acid
2: trip. <laughs> <laughs> after a three-day acid trip. Yeah. Other members were crying at the retreat as well, but for a worse reason. Michelle determined that they were
1: not ready
2: or didn't deserve to receive the knowing. This fostered division within the group, as some incredibly faithful members who had worked for the cult for multiple years were denied the knowing, while other new members were given it freely, even though they just recently joined. That would chap my Mm -hmm. ass.
1: That's it's, like,
2: mm-mm. the girl just transfers high schools, and all she's of cool. a sudden she's cool, and is like a cheerleader, and you're like, I have gone to this school for four years, and I don't get to sit at that lunch table. The cool kid's table with the cult? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh,
1: it's or like at work, when they hire a new person, and they get all promoted, and you're like, mm-hmm. I've been here forever doing the yeah. bare minimum, what the fuck? <laughs>
2: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Like most cults, Michel used sex as a means of control over his followers. Sex, according to Michelle, was a low energy endeavor to be avoided. He told the members to abstain from having intercourse and not to have relationships with other members. Despite this rule, many members were secretly engaging in tons of sex, leading one to call it the booty field group. Well, first of all, great. Hilarious. <laughs> Very nice pun. I think for years they were
1: sitting on that, and they're like, all right, Will, when you interview <laughs> me for the documentary, I got this for you. But they show footage of Michelle doing his sautéing, and again like I said he's very charismatic, very funny and he's like sex it's crazy between two people they're sweating all over each other grunting like eh, eh, eh. and ever it's getting it's getting a lot of laughs. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. very relatable and he's like you're wasting your energy on something that's so, you know, fruitless and so like frivolous and you're just like eh, eh, eh. and again people are laughing. Well, he, he was talking a mad game,
2: but behind the scenes, that was fine for him, apparently. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Michelle was also not abstaining and instead used his position of power to psychologically and sexually abuse numerous members, including Holy Health filmmaker Will Allen. Because he was a hypnotherapist, Michelle required members to engage in weekly cleansing sessions, for which he charged $50 per person. The cleansings were hypnotic sessions in which Michel would have people regress to dramatic experiences in their lives, then describe them out loud. Michel used the intimate moments of these quote therapy sessions to run younger male members through homosexual fantasies. He would also have disciples remove their clothes so that they could be unattached to their body. Soon, Michel would engage the disciples by having them, nude, come near him. He would then mount them and have sex with them, as they laid lifeless beneath him. Then he would collect his $50 payment. It's harrowing to hear these people yeah, describe it. Yes, it's very upsetting. And they're very brave for talking about that. And several of them have said he... One reason he would tell the members not to engage sex with each other is because this was during kind of the height of of the AIDS crisis. Mm-hmm. And Will said that Michelle was very worried that he would get AIDS. And so as but he also didn't allow any of the members to get tested and Mm. he himself also wouldn't get tested. So to kind of this loophole, he just said, hey, no one's allowed to have sex except for me because I'm going to uh, groom and rape you. Mhm but because he knew that well he assumed they weren't having sex he was like okay well they're clean i'm not going to get anything mm-hmm. like one one guy he even he took his virginity he'd been in the cult for like 17 years mm-hmm. and then so he knew that he had been with no one mm-hmm. and he presented it as this way of like i i'm saving you you know you don't want to lower yourself to those kind of standards and stuff no he just Wanted to make sure that he wasn't going to get any kind of STD or anything. Mm-hmm. It was all a trap. And it was, of course, it's all for his own benefit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you hear
1: and, and people genuinely believed that he had the answers and that he could heal them. And it's hard because they were all, you know, adults. But that's I think it speaks to the the power that he had over them and the psychological grip he had on them that it's classic, it's like a therapist breaching that trust because he would have them, and he would not do it on the very first session. Some people it was five or six months, other people it was multiple years Mm -hmm. and that is like deep intense grooming of like week after week and he gets them to tell their deepest darkest secrets and they really, really, really trust him and then he exploits that. So it's really, I mean, he was playing the long game and he was a a huge predator.
2: I mean at big proportions. And he he's Attacking the people that he knows the most about. I mean, they're mm-hmm. telling him their most vulnerable Traumas, things in yeah. in these. Yeah, I mean, it's like if you went to a counselor or a therapist, mm-hmm. and then they use all of the things you've been telling them against you to get you into bed. A hundred
1: percent that you would never have told him that if you thought, oh, this is a guy I might hook up with. Mm-mm. It's like, no, I'm telling you that because you're my guru, my spiritual leader, my master, and then to have him turn on. It's like the
2: ultimate betrayal. Yes. Meanwhile, the female members were berated for their appearances. At one swimming session, Michelle stood behind a female member, mocking her and saying her body was... Like a whale. This caused her to go on a 40-day liquid-only fast. He also described the female body in other derogatory terms, including calling breasts... Utters. There's, like, video
1: of him, too, like, kind of mocking or making, like, you know, kind of... Yeah, I mean, he
2: was... He himself was ripped... Mm -hmm. But he also demanded that of all his followers. He wanted Mm -hmm. all the followers to be models.
1: Yeah, or ballerinas. And there were some women that Mm -hmm. would dance with him that would do these kind of ballets we'll talk about with him that were obviously there's like 0% body fat and they were acceptable to him. But anybody else that had even any kind of curves, he was just like, oh, so so he obviously had some type of internalized body image issues that caused him to work out as much as he did and Mm -hmm. eat what he did and everything
2: like that. Other forms of psychological abuse included disciples being forced to change their names to more exotic ones as a way to shed their former selves. Michelle also encouraged them to detach from their families and break the bonds with their family members, including one member who was kept from seeing her dying father before he passed. It's incredible how he just to the lengths and all classic cult stuff. I mean, tearing down your former self, having you break ties with any family member or person that isn't also in the cult, changing your name so literally like you don't even know who you are anymore, and mm-hmm. you're creating this new like identity, one that he's controlling and mm-hmm. and maneuvering and steering.
1: And that's what Will's mom said. There, you know, the ki- her both two of her kids were in it, and mm-hmm. she's like, they came home with these weird names, and you know we're like you want us to call you what now and they yeah. did it but it's it, it strips you of who you are you're christy mm-hmm. right i'm heather right you know you think of who you are at the name the name you've chosen for yourself or that we decide to go by the you know your full name is you know you, you go by christy that's who you are and so it's to someone to go no you're crystal light vision now
2: that's kind of a badass name,
1: though. I'm into
2: it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you're like, well, I don't. Who am I? I yeah. don't know. And then somebody's telling you this is who you are mm-hmm. in your ear, and you're like, you're right. That is who I am.
1: Yeah, it's it definitely try- causes confusion with your identity, and that's one way to keep somebody
2: mm-hmm. like, complacent. That's why members have to be deprogrammed after years and years of brainwashing because they don't even know their identity, and when. They do end up leaving. It's very traumatic and sad and like a death to them because what do you go back to when mm-hmm. you've abandoned all of that? And he kind of gave them each
1: their little jobs of like, you're my massager. You're my fitness person. You're There's one guy he has that makes these really elaborate fu- fruit salads for him. Mm-hmm. And the guy talks about, he's like, I would spend six hours carving a last supper into kiwis and mangoes. And then... Michelle would look at it and then scoop it into a blender and make it into a smoothie. And so the idea, and he's like, but he looked at it and so it was mm-hmm. important to him. And so he gave him all these like kind of fake tasks where it's like, that's who, you. no one needed you to do that, but dude, like, okay, we're going to just chuck it in a blender. But they had, that's where you're stripped of your performer self and then you're given this meaning mm-hmm. and that's all you know. So like you said, they have to be deprogrammed
2: when they come out of it. It's like when Jerry tells George he's got to come over and flush the toilet because <laughs> he gave Elaine picking up the mail. Yes. Yeah, everyone wants to feel helpful That's and true. feel like they've got a, a purpose. Right. In an interview with Esquire, Will was asked how he thought one man was able to have so much power. Will replied, You don't see it that way. I never thought, I'm going to join a group and
1: give my power to someone. But there's a the social proof that happens. And there's this groupthink that goes on. There's a wave of agreement because we're all agreeing to do it. A lot of the principles of East versus West that we were doing, surrendering to the guru, dropping your ego, taking off your shoes before you walk into a room and leave the world behind, we didn't think of it as giving our power. We thought of it as empowering. And he also had a relationship with each one
2: of us individually.
1: He ended up getting everyone's power individually, one at a time.
2: I thought that was really interesting that he said we didn't think of it as giving our power we thought of it as empowering mhm and that's because they're all being gaslit mm-hmm. broken down mm-hmm. to be built up by this person
1: and everything's wrapped up in him you'd watch you watch the video and he's walking around when later they you know they have their bigger house where they all live together and he's walking around and everyone follows him like little baby geese yeah and yeah. Then just what he's eating an apple and they're like look at him eating that
2: apple like
1: at what point are you like this is fucking boring yeah, <laughs> Do this. I don't give a shit about Tommy. Macell I can't eating go an apple. swimming
2: with this dude in the speedo
1: one more t- day, especially while he makes negative comments about yeah. my body. Mhm.
2: In 1991, a non-member fell in love with a group member who did not return his affections. In retaliation, he began spreading awareness about the Buddha Field in L.A., telling whoever would listen that they were a cult. He also involved famous cult expert Rick Ross and the Cult Awareness Network. Michelle, afraid of the increased scrutiny, took three of his inner circle members, packed their bags, and left in the night, leaving the remaining devastated members behind in Los Angeles, feeling lost without their master. I'll tell you what, it's the first time a
1: spurned guy's pissed <laughs> offness has any sort of use. That he's yeah. like, if only she wasn't in that cult, she totally would have bang me. You're <laughs> like, no, dude. She's both in a cult and also not interested. <laughs> but somehow, it ended up working.
2: But thank you for bringing awareness <laughs> to this it's cult. <laughs> it's
1: uh, an unfortunate side effect. But also the video after the people left, or after he left, the video of the remaining people, they are... I mean, de- devastated. The- yeah.
2: stated. I'm weeping openly. I mean, it's, it's like you're, imagine if all of a sudden you woke up and your parents had just abandoned mm-hmm. you.
1: Or he'll be like, what did you want to say to the master? And they're like, master, I'm faithful to you even if you are not here. And it's like, if you find yourself saying that sentence ever.
2: Yeah. Just take a minute. Mm-hmm. Take a minute. Yeah. Michelle became obsessed with the idea that he was a Christ-like figure who was destined to be killed just like Jesus. This led to a six-month walkabout, where Michelle and his handful of helpers searched for a safe place for the group to relocate. They traveled east through the vortexes of Sedona, Arizona, and settled on Austin, Texas, after a member volunteered to buy a house for Michelle in the suburbs. Well, we're just keeping it weird, aren't we? I
1: mean, coming on down. Come on <laughs> down to Austin.
2: <laughs> in an effort to keep himself safe, Michelle changed his name to Andreas. Once he determined the dust had settled, he had groups of the members in LA move to be with him in his new Texas home. Members headed to Austin without delay, and the group found itself reunited. New members were recruited as well, and the group grew, including via yoga classes and ballet enthusiasts. I mean, you imagine you sign up for a yoga
1: class, and six months later, you're like, oh, fuck. Wait a second. No, I live in a
2: commune. (laughs) I just wanted to work on my downward dog. In 1993, the FBI standoff with the Branch Davidians took place just north of the Buddhafields-Austin compound in Waco, Texas. Formerly Michelle, now Andreas, was frightened of the incident because he believed he would suffer the same fate as David Koresh. As such, Andreas encouraged members to keep their activities under wraps and even trained members what to do and how to respond should any of them be captured by the FBI. Primarily, he encouraged them to disavow any knowledge of him in particular. Yeah, they had, like, pop quizzes. Pop quiz, yeah.
1: If the FBI is interviewing you.
2: he, He, at this point, is extremely paranoid. And, you know, I mean... If I was a cult leader and all of a sudden another cult leader, I saw uh, their compound up in flames not too far from me Mm -hmm. and found out what had happened, I would also be uh, nervous. But what I find really interesting about this is he said, we are not a cult. We are an anti-group, an anti-cult. Bitch, then why are you so afraid Mm -hmm. that this is going to happen to you if you're not a cult? Because David Crush was a cult. He was doing cult shit. Mm -hmm. And now you're doing cult shit.
1: And you finna find out what happens.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, to me, and I'm sure he spun it to these members, obviously, and they're so indoctrinated. But you've got to be thinking, why is he so worried? I mean, it's like. Hey, if you're not lying, why are you getting so defensive? Like, what are those types of... You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, Why are you so concerned about the
1: treatment of a cult leader if you yourself <laughs> are not a cult leader? Exactly. Interesting. Exactly. Interesting. Mm-hmm.
2: With Andreas's increased paranoia, the control and abuse of his disciples also increased. Members were not supposed to read books, watch TV, listen to the radio, or even have pets because Andreas hated dogs. He used followers as test subjects, having them undergo plastic surgery procedures so he could see if it was safe or how it looked before having it done on himself. According to one member interviewed in the Holy Hell documentary, he's
1: definitely started getting plastic surgery because his face. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's a
2: noticeable transition. Yes, very. Um,
1: but all of these are reading books, watching TV, listening to the radio, and having pets are like my top things. If, if eating cheese, also, <laughs> you're they, out at that. They ate like vegan food. Eating cheese, I would. This is not. You cannot recruit me for this. Other mm-hmm. cults, maybe, possibly, but this
2: one, no. That's you're all out. my favorite yeah. things. Yeah. Well, in Uh, Will says in later interviews that, you know, they didn't realize that he was stealing words from other leaders, you know, uh, prophecies and books and stuff Mm -hmm. because they didn't have access to any of those books. Mm -hmm. So, again, he's he's knows what he's doing Mm -hmm. with this scam. He's like, oh, I can just read this book on, uh, you know, Hinduism and act like it is my all of my own original Mm -hmm. thought and they're like oh this guy is a genius he's just like appropriating yeah exactly he's like
1: children i will tell you the story of jerry george elaine and kramer (laughs) (laughs) they don't
2: know because they can't watch tv yeah no in addition to hating dogs andreas also hated children on a secret recording he said spiritual growth and children do not always go together according to one member on holy hell when she came up pregnant Andreas told her to get an abortion and threatened her that if she did not, she would be ousted from the group. In an effort to stay in the group, the member had the abortion. That same member then began a relationship with another member and once again got pregnant. This time, Andreas threatened the child's father with being kicked out of the group. if The woman did not get an abortion. So, she did it a second time. It's,
1: again, I use the word harrowing, watching her talk about this and... Now with some space being out of it. And if there are people who get abortions on their own volition and free will and they're happy that they did it and it was great. But this was very coerced.
2: Oh, yes. And she
1: really wanted those babies. Like, yeah, you should if you, you get an abortion, if you need one, if you want one. But the fact that this was forced on her, you can just see that it's a lifelong.
2: Yeah. Pain. And a regret I'm sure she still lives with to this day. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is, I mean, so much of what he did is despicable and abusive. And this is just another example of that. A controlling member, controlling her body. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yes. I mean, and suggesting, and I use that in air quotes, that members get plastic surgery. Again, you're altering someone's body with, I mean, did they consent to it? I don't want to say consent. Mm-hmm. They uh, maybe acquiesced. Yeah, I think that's a better word. <laughs> yeah. Because but... you can
1: only consent, I think, if you go into it truly with, you know, eyes wide open and no undue influence. And this is... Yes. I mean, saying your whole life and home that you've totally built with all these people will be ripped from you unless you do this thing.
2: That is coercion. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Submission does not mean consent. Correct. And they're like... Getting cheek implants, chin implants, uh, boob jobs Nose and everything. Jobs. Yeah, just, and the boob jobs, I don't right. think were for him. They no. just want, he wanted the females to be more attractive. Or they were told you look like a whale and they're trying to be more attractive mm-hmm. for or your him. your udders or whatever. When someone left the group, Andreas forbade current members from talking to them ever again. Then, rumors would spread amongst current group members that horrible fates had befallen the ones who had left. He also warned members against leaving, telling them they would also suffer and possibly die. One member said Andreas warned him. If I wasn't
1: with him, I would get AIDS and I would die. And I believed him. Yeah, they'd be like so someone so got hit by a car because they left the group. And such they didn't.
2: psychological abuse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And telling someone they're gonna get AIDS and die if you if you leave.
1: Especially at this time when it was a you know. Yeah, a still real a fear. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was and you can see as the days go by, the years pass, he starts to get more desperate and his tactics start to get more extreme. Mm-hmm. And, and that's very extreme to say, if you leave, you will die. And they yeah. said when they did get letters from people, they were like, no, Bob's fine.
0: Like, yeah. he's in Bob Indiana. didn't get hit by a car. No,
2: he's in Indiana now. He's all right. Mm-hmm. In 2005, the group made several sci-fi propaganda films that featured Andreas as an all-powerful healer. It was during this time that a shift happened in the group going from a group focused on the personal spiritual journey of its members to devoting all praise and love unto andreas before long andreas's disciples began to get fed up
1: this was not a turn that i was expecting in the film <laughs> but they show clips of it it is a sci-fi movie with yep. like silver and he's like karate fighting and this is clearly his like long again he's playing the long game He's like, if, I, if Hollywood won't make movies, I'll move mm-hmm. to Austin. Richard Linklater, they make movies in Austin. Yep. I'll make my own movies. And there were people like Will. He had a talented filmmaker in his ranks who could help him make these. It was these vanity projects. It's like Tommy Wiseau in so many ways. That yeah. you're. He said that it was to show the way and the light, but when you watch it, it's a sci-fi movie starring him. It's a vanity yeah. project.
2: Yeah, and Will said... That's one reason he was even able... Because people have asked, like, if he was so secretive and this was a cult and everything, like, how were you able to film this? And he said, well, he, one, I he gained my trust. and But two, like, I kind of pushed it. Like, I wanted to kind of have a tie to my other self still. And that was his passion, was filmmaking. Mm-hmm. So he started documenting stuff. And, and he honestly believed, too, like, what we're doing here is so amazing. Mm-hmm. And michelle is who he went by at that at that time told him like we need to document this but then they started making these films to recruit other members or maybe just because he wanted to be in a movie and he would make michelle look really good in mm-hmm. them. and it was i think he will was
1: smart whether you know he at the time really i mean he did believe it until you know he eventually gets out but if he, if Michelle ever was like, no, don't film me, you can just play to his ego, play to his mm-hmm. vanity and be like, you look amazing, master. We need to record you for the world.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he said he knew, you know, not to film him when he was in a bad mood, mm-hmm. if he, if things weren't going well. So he said now he realizes it wasn't at all accurate because he left so much out mm-hmm. that was bad. Cause you couldn't, I'm sure, film mm-hmm. all that. Yeah. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting.
0: Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
2: I never win and tell.
0: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In
2: 2006, a longtime member wrote a mass email to the entire Buddhafield group as he was on his way out. That leveled incredible allegations, the most disturbing of which was that Andreas had been forcing younger male members into unwanted sexual relationships. Andreas emphatically denied the allegations in the letter, but the damage had been done. Some members began questioning Andreas, thinking the information in the letter could possibly have been real. But even those who clung to Andreas knew the letter was true, as those in his tightest inner circle had been in a sexual relationship with him for years themselves. It's really sad that one of the women said
1: she's she's like, I wept because I thought of these men as my brothers. And mm-hmm. uh, it's basically like your father figure has been abusing your siblings. And she's like, I immediately told him, I believe you. I have your back. And of course, Andreas is not like that. Uh, but she said, I had known these people for 25 whatever years, and I know they're not making this up. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and I think when you're one single leader with 100 members, the members are going to get way more face time with each other. Despite if you try to sow, you know, dissension between them, they're still going to have more face time. And you, you're living with a person for 25 years. You get to know them. Yeah. Uh, and so she's like, I believe them, even though she didn't want to.
2: Yeah. Even Will said, you know, even now, like he considers everyone in that his family mm-hmm. and i think despite that they all idolized the teacher and that was why they were there the real relationships were amongst each other for sure I mean, they were they were a true family mm-hmm. and you also are going through that together it's trauma bonding yeah. i mean because. No one on the outside can understand, you know, Mm -mm. like they they're going to try and talk you out of it or question it. But only people there like I don't have to explain anything. I don't have to justify it. Everyone accepts accepts me for who I am. Mm -hmm. And that is a very powerful thing. I think so. Yeah. After the first reports came out, a flood of others followed. Dozens confessed to other members of the group all the heinous things Andreas had done to them, including sodomizing them. Andreas had fostered a sense of isolation amongst members by telling them that he was only working this way with each disciple he had sex with and that it was important not to tell any other members of the group classic manipulation yeah i mean classic sexual abuse mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. don't don't tell anybody you know you can't you can't tell your mom that this is happening or you know she's going to be mad at you or this is our special little thing mm-hmm. or They'll be jealous of you, yeah, yeah, or just any dude that's cheating on somebody True. with, with yeah. a bunch of other people. It's like, oh, you're my one and only. First of all, if somebody tells you that, if some if if somebody will cheat on who they are with to be with you, they will cheat on you to be with someone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One by one, the members began leaving the group. Andreas recorded a response video that was shown to those that remained. The strange video shows Andreas in a living room, sitting on his throne, wearing a loose blue Nike tank top. He says the video is...
1: More than can be included in a biographical letter.
2: But that it was not meant as an apology. He speaks in a slow, hypnotic voice and says...
1: May all beings wake up.
2: According to members who were present at the living room movie premiere, several people got up and left due to the video's disturbing tone. And those who stayed... Nobody bought it. Yeah. he's He lost him. It's just, wild. This got away from him. <laughs> I mean, like yeah. I said,
1: he started becoming more and more desperate, these grabs for yeah. leadership. And this video is off the rails. He's wearing a blue <laughs> Nike tank top. He's staring into the camera. He's speaking full nonsense. And...
2: I on a throne on a, which he would make people carry around as they followed him just in case he ever wanted to sit down somewhere yes. and then he had his throne there. He had throne
1: carriers. Again, you had fruit mm-hmm. salad guy, you had throne guys that their job mm-hmm. was to carry him or to carry the throne. And then and you had Will was the documentary guy. He, Will should have been in on this the filming of this. It was bad. <laughs> it was bad.
2: In a last effort to save the group. Andreas decided to hold another knowing retreat, where he would spread the magic of the knowing onto the remaining members. Some members, especially those who were denied the knowing at the retreat 17 years earlier, were eager for another chance, even after all the information that had come out. But, unlike the euphoria that happened at the previous ceremony, the members who received the knowing at this retreat were resoundingly let down. Members said he gave a half-hearted performance that did not leave them in a state of joy. Damn, what if you were at that second retreat, though, and you didn't get it again? You would fucking <laughs> oh, lose it. Sick, sick burn. I mean, yeah. at this point, if you if I'm Andreas, I'm giving it to everybody. You got
1: to. What the hell, yeah. man? You got to. Yeah. It's like going out of business sale. Mm-hmm. You, you pass that, the Lord on to
2: everybody. <laughs> yes. Former members began to threaten legal action against Andreas. So to escape, he and a handful of members headed to Hawaii. He began conspiring with the remaining members on ways to exact revenge against those who would have him destroyed, asking his followers whether they knew anyone who could take his adversaries out, or destroy their lives
1: through the yeah. IRS
2: or whatever way. Damn. Why does everybody go to Hawaii? I'm about to say, leave. Keep your cults off that beautiful, sacred island, leave for fuck's sake! Hawaii alone. Leave Hawaii damn. out of your bullshit. Hawaii don't
1: need your shit No, It is a beautiful place We've done enough Let them be You can visit Leave it nicer than you found it And don't bring a fucking cult
2: Do we all want to just pick up and go to Hawaii When shit gets rough? Hell yes Every day of my life (laughs) All the time But we can't No Because it's a vacation destination That's what makes it special You Mm -hmm. can't just go whenever you want You gotta gotta earn it You can't go plop your fucking cult down In a people's home Keep your cult off that gorgeous island. Mm -hmm. Making a bumper sticker. In 2007, 22 years after the cult had begun, Budafield came to an end. Members described it as... A big death. Or like a bomb had gone off. Those who had devoted their lives to the group found themselves alone in the real world, without the safety net of the group, and without the inspiration they had once found in their former leader. Since Andreas had encouraged members to cut ties with their families, many went back to mend their relationships. Still, some chose to follow Andreas to Hawaii. It fucking sucked because they had given a
1: lot of their money to him, and like, one person had had a job forever, and they had a 401k, and they had like liquidated it and spent all the money and lived on the money, and you're like, well, I have $200 and no television because I wasn't allowed to have one of those, so you have like- I talked to my family mm -hmm. and.
2: 20-something years. I told my
1: family to fuck off, and now I have to go back to them, If the ones that are mm-hmm. still
2: alive that I didn't miss. So yeah. it's it's rough, man. That is. In 2012, filmmaker Will Allen returned to Oahu, Hawaii to try and catch a glimpse of his former leader, Andreas, who by then had changed his name to Raiji, meaning God King. A surreptitious footage shows Raiji with an increased amount of plastic surgery. Walking through the streets of Oahu with a gaggle of disciples in tow. Though when Will approached Reishi and asked whether the group was his disciples, he simply said, People will come and go. As of 2015, most of the original 120 former members had left the group, or left Reishi, according to Holy Hell. Yeah,
1: how do you think he um had these name changes? Do you think there was a ceremony, or he just <laughs> one day was like, gaslit them and they're like Andreas he's like that's I do not That's not my name oh man that's who, who's name.
2: Andreas I've always been Raiji they're like
1: first of all bitch you were Jaime then you were Michelle then you were Andreas and now you're what the fuck ever Raiji and he's like no that wasn't me I don't
2: know who yeah. you're talking about that's a good question I bet there was some sort of ceremony mm-hmm. or he's like cause he, he would say a lot cause he would try and pit the members against each other True. and uh, would use them as like um to find out what was going on with other members like well what's going on with Bob you know you need to tell me because if you don't tell me what's going on with him then you're bringing bad karma to this group and to Bob so then be like well Bob's sleeping with Sharon you know I know you told us not to or whatever mm-hmm. so but and then he would be like oh you know what I saw this in a vision mm-hmm. thank you i i and so i could see him saying i've had a vision that i am now mm-hmm. the the God King, and everyone shall now address me as Raiji. And they're like, oh, yes, Raiji, we knew all along this was, you know. Like,
1: sounds good. We were, uh, Paris and I were both very baffled at this interaction on the beach. It it is, it is, it's wild. He's just standing there, and you run up to, I mean, Will Allen, I mean, praise, because he has, he himself was sexually abused by this man. Yeah. And I'm a survivor of sexual assault and abuse. And like, the bravery it took to walk up to the person that abused you and say, mm-hmm. "Do you remember me? Do you recognize me?" I mean my stomach dropped. I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh." And the You feel how nervous he was. Yes, yeah. and it's he's so brave. And then I said we were baffled at how just fucking blase, ragey mm-hmm. is. He's like, "Oh. Yeah. Oh, it's you." Yeah, I recognize you. Hey. Yeah. Very not like, "Oh, I know who you are and I know what I did to you." It's like no big deal. Hey, yeah. it's like,
2: fuck you. Yeah, it's like seeing a dude that you were in a relationship with for years mm-hmm. and he's like, what, what was your name again? Mm-mm. You're like, bitch, you know who I you am. You know yeah. what you did. Yeah. In 2015, the film premiered at Sundance. The filmmakers also held a premiere in Hawaii, which according to CNN, Raiji's current day followers took as an attack on their way of life. In a 2016 emailed statement to CNN, He said, "It is heartbreaking to see how history has been rewritten. Holy Hell is not a
1: documentary; rather, it is a work of fiction designed to create drama, fear, and persecution. Knowing that is what sells. It is devastating to see these friends who were once so filled with love of the world become so angry. If any of my actions were a catalyst for their disharmony,
2: I am truly sorry." May all beings find peace. Though there have been no official reports, it is believed Raiji remains in Hawaii, where he leads a small group and teaches yoga classes. Goddamn. Here's a question. What, I want to know what his family must think, or those that knew him from Venezuela, because you're like, wait, who's Jaime now? Because, yeah, he's had four name changes. Now this documentary has come out. Mm -hmm. Like, he raped how many people? Yeah. Because I don't remember him ever discussing his family. No. In the documentary.
1: All they they talk about the CNN, and I think there's brief mention of it, is that um, when they're uncovering, like, who he was, you know... As the cult is starting to unravel, like who even is this guy? And they're like, oh, he was in these movies. Oh, he used to dance to the ballet. Oh, his dad was a wealthy rancher. It was really vague. It's mm-hmm. there's not any specifics of like any other family members are in the U.S. or anything like that. So, who knows if they've seen it or if they're if he hasn't living relatives or what they think about it? Or they're like, yeah, I'm kind of technically related to that guy, but we kind of disclaim him because he's yeah. a monster.
2: Will did say. In that Esquire interview that at the Sundance premiere, someone that knew Jaime and like when he was Jaime came up to him and said, he told me way back then that he always wanted to have followers and have people follow him. And that Will said like in that moment, he was like, man, fuck this guy. He had this whole thing, this plan laid out when he started doing what he was doing with these yoga classes and everything. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Will said by the time I got there, he already had all these people that were buying into it and I just kinda trusted that they had vetted him. Yeah. And and your sister tells you, Hey, I joined this thing yeah. and it's great.
1: And it's definitely well put by one of the members who said, this guy was an actor and this was the greatest role of his life. And she said mm-hmm. he was playing this part. And they also, I think, you know, we kind of, there's only so many details we can include, but they he had them build this whole theater for him, which is still in mm-hmm. Austin. And it was to put these shows on and it was all about him and he would make people rehearse forever. And like one time they would perform it, but it was like, he was the big star. And so mm-hmm. if from day one, he's like, I want followers. And in his mind, that means either as a celebrity or he starts doing these yoga classes and he's like, I have these students. I wonder if I could get them to, like, live in a house together. And then they mm-hmm. do it. And it's like, I wonder if I could get them to give me massages all the time. And then they do it. you are He's going to take it to the extreme because, obviously, an abuser does that. They try to take more mm-hmm. and more and more that they can. So they, I think that that woman summed it up of he's an actor and this is the mm-hmm. role of a lifetime. Yep. So what else do
2: we think? Ugh, he sucks. He does suck, yeah. And what's what's just sad and uh, hopefully, I mean, this documentary came out and Will said that people, members that were in it, you know, in Hawaii and stuff, like contacted him and said, thank you so much. We always kind of felt like something was off, but this really shined a light on it. And so they left. But there's still members that have seen this and know everything and still, you know, they're so indoctrinated and brainwashed that they make excuses mm-hmm. and say, no, that's, this is all, this is all fake news. Mm-hmm. It's not happening. And I hate to be reductive and say he sucks. He does.
1: But he's also very, very good at what he does. I think it's hard to, when somebody has victimized others to sort of write them off. And and I I mean, he's just a shitty person. He's selfish. He's an abuser. But also he's obviously very skilled that he, despite mm-hmm. having literal video footage evidence people still are like no i'm with this guy i'm staying so that's that's a testament to his power that he has that i don't think it's like supernatural power i think it's hypnosis psychology or psychological
2: type of uh brainwashing exactly what you said so Mm -hmm. and targeting people that are looking at a point in their life where they're looking for guidance and are susceptible to you know, somebody coming in and kind of steering them in a direction and wanting answers given to them. And He's the one to do it. Mm-hmm. I think so. Well, the moral of this, if you're in Hawaii, one, stop taking your damn cults to Hawaii. For real? If you're if you are in this cult in Hawaii. Get the fuck out. Get the fuck out. Yep. Yeah, reach out to, to someone. I just meant leave Hawaii, but also leave the cult. Yes. Oh, that's yeah. Yes. Well. <laughs> get out of both. <laughs> of leave Hawaii things. alone. <laughs> We love providing Sinisterhood to you at no cost, so if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating the show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the costs of making and hosting the show.
1: As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those in the Ruling the Airwaves tier, A special shout out on the show, a monthly bonus mini-sode, and patron-exclusive video and audio content, including our our Am I the Asshole and Relationship segments, where we read and discuss the best of what Reddit has to offer. And we also recently uploaded the video of Christy reacting to Fiona the hippo showing up at her baby shower and her sobbing openly. It's fantastic. (laughs) And many people say they, they themselves have cried watching it.
2: Highly recommend. So many. And I watched it again and cried. (laughs) <laughs> Again, watch. I cried watching myself cry, which is a very meta thing to do. It's a very on-brand. <laughs> <laughs> you also now have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We'll also be hopping on occasionally and hosting monthly Q and A's, where you can ask us all your burning questions.
1: For our patrons not in the U.S., you now have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of a conversion fee. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available.
2: Those that select this option will be rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit sinisterhood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. And make sure you stick around after our sign offs to hear your shout out. <laughs> so many
1: of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. If you want to get some cool swag like t shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, visit sinisterhood.com
2: and click on shop on the top banner. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. It means so much to us and really helps small podcasts like us get more exposure.
1: You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod and like us on Facebook at Christie.
2: I'm on Twitter at Christy or GTFO and on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace. I'm on Twitter at MCK vs. The World and on Instagram at Heather vs. The World. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy.
1: Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for supporting the show on Patreon. Here are your special Patreon shoutouts. Victoria Tribble. Cassandra Arthur. Ellie Lyle. Ashley Brown. Vanessa
2: Cosner. Madeline Blaine. Allie Sweeney. Carson. Elizabeth Hall. Janice Sims. Ariel Leonard. Laurel Hosler. Lauren Fitzpatrick, Ashley Wills, Sarah Kaiser, Kate McCarthy, Courtney, Exo Greenbean, Lisa Miller, Mallory Power, Jocelyn Morales, Glitter Goblin, Hannah Jasinski, Eliza, Amanda Schaff, Sandra Nelson, Serena W, Mel P, Erica Creteau, Julianne Mack, Hannah Ibrahim, Kayla, Kelly Darby. Marjorie McClay, Katie Mashler, Michael Lapham, Lena K, Lilius, Cindy, Taylor Walsmith, Jessica McElroy, Samantha Santiago, Abby Hassett, Aaron C., Jen Reinhardt, Roxanne Osborne, Tiara Schrombeck, Hadley Jorgensen, Katie Marks, Amanda Klingel, Grace Bedansett, and Anna Barbaresi. Thank you guys so much for supporting this show. We sincerely appreciate it, especially during these trying times. We couldn't do it without you. Stay safe, stay healthy, and keep it creepy. <laughs>